0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. It's a special podcast we put together on the weekends for you to enjoy. It's going to highlight some of our best interviews from this week from the radio show. You can hear these interviews live during the week in your local radio station. To find out where you can hear the Dan Bongino radio show near you, go to Bongino.com. Click on Station Finder. And you'll find the station nearest you. But before we get to our first interview, let me get to one of our sponsors. We really appreciate their time. Buy gold and get a free safe to store it in on qualifying purchases from Birch Gold. It's B-I-R-C-H through March 31st. They'll ship a free safe directly to your door if you just text Dan to 98989 and get your free information kit on gold and a claim eligibility for your free safe. The feds keep, uh, keep raising rates because it's the only tool they have to keep inflation under control. And here's a hint, it's not working. You've seen it. Globally and in the United States. You've seen the impact on the stock market. So you need to protect and hedge yourself. Do it by owning gold like I do. Whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an IRA in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. I buy gold and have many times from Birch Gold to protect my family. You can trust them too. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Dan. To 989898 for your free information kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, text Dan, D A N, to 989898. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Message and data rate supply. Thanks, Birch gold. First up today, we talk with Jason Whitlock about how sports became woke and is getting woker, how China is the biggest influence in American sports culture now and how being a conservative changes his career reporting on sports and culture. This is a really great interview. Don't miss it. So I'm really happy to have on the show uh, a great guy, Jason Whitlock. He's having a conference coming up on bringing religion back into our lives here. FearlessArmyRollcall.com is where you can get some information. It's in Nashville on April 15th. Probably something you want to look into. Again, the website is FearlessArmyRollcall.com. Dot com. Welcoming Jason Whitlock. Jason, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it.
2: Dan, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: You got it. You know, you're one of those guys, and and Jim and I were both chatting about this during the break, that when I see you come on Fox, I, uh, I automatically turn up the volume because I I know uh, it's going to be something I really need to hear. Now, I, I've watched you on TV covering sports and, and, and culture for a really long time, and one of the stories this week that I know you were all over was this J.J. Redick, Kendrick, uh, uh, what, I, I, forgive me, I Perkins, don't know, I don't Perkins, follow. Perkins, Perkins, I'm sorry, I don't follow basketball much anymore. This, uh, this fight they had over allegations that the NBA MVP award was being tainted by charges of racism. And this happened on ESPN, Jason, and shockingly, J.J. Redick uh, actually fought back. Uh, I discussed it yesterday on my show. I mean, what happened at ESPN? Nobody knows this process better better than you. What happened over there?
2: Well, uh, Disney bought ESPN, what, 15, 20 years ago, and just completely changed the culture at ESPN and made it work and made it part of the culture war. And, And then there was a time in the 2000, 2010, where the website Deadspin just really went after ESPN executives who wouldn't get on board with the woke leftist agenda and bullied the executives into uh, getting on board with the leftist agenda. And so ESPN's culture, sports culture, the left identified very early if they were going to win the culture war, they had to take control of sports. Sports is the number one thing on television. The NFL is the number one show on five different television networks. You're not going to win a culture war unless you control sports because sports is so uh, powerful in popular culture. The left figured that out. They've overtaken ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, and then they've used ESPN to impose those values and that agenda on the rest of the sports world.
1: We're talking to Jason Whitlock. He has a conference coming up April 15th in Nashville about bringing religion back into our lives. Fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Fearlessarmyrollcall.com. You should check that out. Jason, uh, you know, I was having a conversation with a pretty influential um, college, let's say sports coach. uh, And we were both lamenting the fact that sports has been hijacked. It was really a refuge. And I don't, begrudge any sports figure, or entertainment figure, uh, their, 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 uh, you know, their ability to speak out on politics. I, that, that's well, great. You do your thing. The problem is that's not why people are there. I mean, you go to a political conference, you know, they got the Twitter files hearing Jason up on Capitol Hill. No one's talking about the Yankees score last night. You don't go to a Yankees game or a college basketball game to hear lectures about politics. And what puzzles me, a guy who's forgotten more about the sports space than most people will ever know is do they really believe this is a business plan for the future? Or did they, did they say to themselves, like, ah, you know what, we're going to lose a few, but in the end we'll gain them back. Because my daughter and my kids have never, I have a 19-year-old and an 11-year-old, have never seen organized sports in my house like I grew up with. And I'm not going to pass that down to them. Did they not see that?
2: They do see it, but they have a different strategy, Dan, that we have to be in tune with as it relates to these sports leagues and how much control – Nike has over these sports leagues. And Nike's interest is more about China and the 1.45 billion people in China. How do they reach those consumers? How do they satisfy uh, the CCP and, and do more business in China rather than concerning themselves about the 300 million Americans over here? This is the problem with globalism. And this, and, and this hostility toward, towards an America first agenda. Our corporations don't care about Americans. And so they're not making business decisions that think about the American consumer and the American citizen first. They're thinking about what enhances, what improves my position in China. And so Nike is other than ESPN or in conjunction with ESPN, the two most powerful forces in sports culture in America. And and Nike wants to do business in in China. The NBA, David Stern, the previous commissioner, had an entire vision about making the NBA an international game, landing a mammoth contract with China to broadcast games in China that would dwarf any contract they would get here in America. That's been the vision. That's been the goal. As the NFL has tried to expand its international footprint, they have less and less concern with the American consumer and America. And and, and whether people like Donald Trump or not, his America first agenda made sense for the overwhelming 99, 98% of Americans who aren't global citizens. The America first agenda makes perfect sense. And you can look at the sports world and see the ramifications and the consequences of this whole globalism agenda and global citizen agenda. It's killing these leagues. And and so Dan, I'm not sure if they really care whether your daughters ever attend the games they're worried about the daughters over in china
1: you know jason i don't know if i'm really young or you're really old we can, whatever whatever you prefer but i i grew up watching i mean i've i've watched your sports coverage for you've been doing this a really really long time and i wonder given that you're really you young. Say things, what, what you, you must I'm be am really like young. I knew we'd go. I, I say, let's go with the former <laughs> rather than I like that too. But, um, you know, given that you've been doing this a long time, you developed a lot of relationships, I've always wondered this. If it's too personal, you don't have to answer it. But when, when you started saying things that weren't necessarily conservative or libertarian but just not liberal, when you started speaking out on culture issues and the culture of sports side and started speaking insane terms rather than just repeating, you know, woke focus group tested Uh, you know, talking points. Were you shunned by a lot of people in the community, sports community, or were they quietly behind the scenes shooting you a text like, hey, buddy, like, I'm with you. I just can't say anything. Uh,
2: For a long time, I was celebrated in the industry. And so I graduated college in 1990. And I would say that things were perfectly appropriate for me all the way up to 2010, 2012, 2012. You know, was I polarizing? Yes. Did, what, did I say things, uh, write things in two th- in the 2000s that upset the left? No question. When when Don Imus got in trouble for the nappy-headed hoes comment, I wrote yeah, a column about, uh, you know, like, why are we worried about this guy that's some shock jock we never listen to when rap music is filled with all this <laughs> derogatory, <laughs> denigrating stuff? and but at that time you could say that and and I was celebrated for that by a lot of people Oprah Winfrey had me on her show for two straight days talking about my position on Don Imus and wow. things like that but then once where things really pivoted Dan is when social media became so that thing with Don Imus I believe happened in 2006 2007 I think Facebook started in 2006 maybe Twitter started in 2007 and then they started having a real influence over culture in 2010, 2011, 2012, and that's when things got really hot for someone like me. I was saying all the same things I had said in the 90s and the 2000s, but, but right. social media had triggered everybody and geared everyone up to, oh, my God, this guy's evil. You know, and so people started distancing themselves from me. It was was too dangerous to be my friend because I wouldn't go along with the narrative that social media and and clearly the government, the FBI and the CIA were promoting.
1: Yeah. You know, Jason, we're talking to Jason Whitlock. He has a conference coming up in Nashville, April 15th, about religion, culture, bringing it back to our lives. The website, please check it out, is fearlessarmyrollcall.com fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Jason, you are so right. I, I, I brought up this point in some of my writing when I, when I was doing um, a column that social media kind of democratized mob tactics. Uh, in the days when you were doing sports writing and there was no Twitter, which really wasn't that long ago, by the way, you know, in order to get kind of one of these mobs against you, you had to have an email list, you had to know people. Now, you get some 300-follower goofball on Twitter who tags a bunch of, you know, influential air quote sports. Or, oh, my gosh, look at what Whitlock said. And next thing you know, you're trending on Twitter five hours later. And I, I got to tell you, having been on the receiving end like you, probably 20 or 30 of those, anyone who tells you it's comfortable is lying. It's It's not. I mean, if you're right, you'll defend yourself. But you know when I knew it really like this had en- engulfed me, Jason? I was sitting at Epcot one day with my daughter, enjoying one of my few days off. And I get involved in one of these things on Twitter that turns into a big viral thing. And uh, I'm saying to myself, I can't believe I just blew six hours of time with my kid over this stupidity. But what you're saying is real. Social media did did change everything.
2: It, it changed absolutely everything. Dan, when I started out in the newspaper industry, In 1990 and I started writing a column in Kansas City in 1994 when you got hate mail that was actually a good thing that was assigned to the editors and your employee oh people care about what this guy thinks and we'll publish those letters that the ones that are appropriate in the newspaper and we'll revel in the fact that hey Jason's got opinions that rouse people up and gets people interested in the newspaper That's how things used to work. Now, over social media and Twitter, the bosses now go hide under their desk, oh my god, there's a Twitter lynch mob, and they're saying all these terrible things about Jason, and we we don't want that, And because they've got corporations that, again, they're all kowtowing to China. China's influence over American discourse is the least talked about thing going on, but, but 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 that's what's going on the reason why Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James express so much anti-American sentiment is because Nike wants to improve its relationship with China and China loves it when Nike athletes pretend like America is the evil place and China is utopia and the land of opportunity and China ended slavery and, and black people would be just so happy if they all moved to China. It's a joke. It, it, yeah. it, it's a joke. But uh, this social media thing has just allowed more foreign influence and manipulation and foreign countries can pour money, throw money at our corporations at, at Twitter at our politicians and get them dancing to that beat. And, and everybody thinks it's a cool thing to take a dump on the country that has Created more freedom, more opportunity, more prosperity, more safety for black people than any other country on the planet in the history of the planet. But and you got black people all over the world, people of color all over the world beating down doors to get into America. But we keep buying the myth that this is, you know, hell on earth for black people. It's a joke, man. I grew up poor. I I grew up poor. Me and my dad in 1984. We're living in a 400-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment in the hood, man. I was no one special. I was a good college athlete, but I wasn't some great uh, student or whatever. But hard work and just showing up, you can make it in this country. Make a few responsible decisions. Put a condom on. It's really that simple. I mean, you don't have straight kids. You got a really good shot at making it in this country. But if you can't have – you can't have that little, you know how little discipline it takes to wear a condom? If you can't have that much discipline, maybe you don't deserve success.
1: Uh, you fit right in on this show, Jason. We Let me tell you something. We, we give simple life lessons on the show every day. I gotta run. I want to get another plug-in for your thing. I just want to say I really, uh, really do admire your work, and I love your commentary, and I love the fact that you've got moose nuts, brother. You'll say whatever. Um, Jason's conference is uh, in Nashville, April 15th. You want to get there. FearlessArmyRollCall.com. Check that out. Jason, you are welcome back anytime. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you, Dan. Yep. You got it. I, Jim and I grew up watching Jim. Well, Jim's a little older than me. Watching Jason Whitlock, man. It's just uh, what a good guy. That was Jason Whitlock. Up next, we talked to fan favorite Leo Terrell. Everybody loves Leo. But let's hear from our next sponsor first. Folks, junk science, that's what doctors call many of these fruits and vegetable supplements, junk science, because they use extracts of common produce, uh, fruits and vegetables with very few health benefits. That's why I use Field of Greens. It's whole, fresh, healthy, organic fruits and vegetables, not some watered down garbage extract supplement. It's backed by a better health promise. Field of Greens is a science-backed formula of specific fruits and vegetables you won't find in any other product. I use it multiple times each day. I swear by it. Proper nutrition can reboot your metabolism so you burn calories faster and you lose weight a healthier way. Listen, sometimes you don't eat as healthy as you should. You got to go buy vegetables. You got to shop for them. You got to cook them. They're perishable. Field of Greens is my insurance policy. I take it twice a day. They have wild berry. Lemon, lime is geese' favorite. You'll look and feel healthier. I do and have way more energy with good nutrition, but your best proof will be at the next checkup when I bet your doctor says whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Let's get you started today. Visit BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Use promo code Dan. That's promo code Dan at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick it up today. Stuff's delicious. Big fan, folks. And absolutely vouch for it. Feel the Greens. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Here's Leo Terrell talking about the release of the January 6th videos Now the January 6th committee should face some consequences for apparently withholding evidence in Jacob Chansley's case. Leo's a lawyer. knows a lot about this. Here's Leo on this topic and more. All right, now this guy, you all know him, you love him. He hasn't been back in a little while, to my chagrin, because I love having him on the show. But we'll take him whenever we can get him. Our good friend Leo Terrell. Leo, thanks for spending a few minutes with us. We love you,
3: man. Dan, thank you for having me. I just want to ask you one simple question, and we can move on. Yes, sir. Do I have to go to Florida? To get an autograph, signing, uh, book sign (laughs) called the Gift of Failure. Because if I do, I'll come to Florida. I know you're not coming to L.A. Do I need to go to Florida? That's just a simple yes or no.
1: Well, that's that's interesting because I think you may have jumped the gun there. I may actually be in L.A. Yeah, yes, sir. So I'm thinking about a book tour, and you know, me and you are on KABC Radio, and we're trying to put together some locations now and we have to find see when you write a book you want to go to a new york times reporting store so you can get on the list right so we have to find locations that have a bookstore and a station we're on so la kind of fits the block so we're working on it but i'll leo I will personally deliver that book to you in LA or if not I'll mail you and you do not have to come I wanna to go
3: to a damn Bon book signing. If it's in Florida, I'm gonna surprise you. If it's in LA, I'm gonna surprise you. I'm gonna walk straight up to you and have you sign it. I'm gonna completely shock you. The i'm
1: waiting gym, for the, the announcement of the book the, you know the crowd will go nuts if leo shows up. <laughs> they, leo yeah. the crowd went crazy when my uncle jim showed up in huntington long island <laughs> I, i'm not kidding him my uncle just randomly shot not seen him in years i'm like oh look there's my uncle jim everybody's like ah! they, they never met the guy if leo shows up it'll be they will go crazy so i would appreciate that you uh, thank you for mentioning the book it's uh it's, it means a lot to me. I put a lot into this book, so it means a lot. Uh, Leo, you are an actual civil liberties attorney, like someone who's actually fought for civil rights, so no one's going to lecture you on the topic. You know, the, the January 6th videos, I have just did a whole two-hour block on this, Leo. You know, we can hold two simultaneous thoughts at the same time. We're human beings. A lot of the things that happened on that day, we can condemn and say, all right, that shouldn't have happened, okay, because we're thinking human beings. But we can also say, as believers in the constitutional republic and liberty and freedom for all that because some bad things happen doesn't mean that you get to throw people in jail just because you don't like their politics and then hide evidence now as an attorney you can attest to my audience correctly that uh, correct that brady violations or withholding exculpatory evidence leo that's kind of a really big deal right i'm not crazy
3: dan you are spot on brady is a constitutional okay brady versus maryland big case it is a mandatory requirement for the prosecutor to turn over all exculpatory evidence. What Tucker has displayed on his show the last two nights, that QAnon man who, who yes, he was asking That's exported, what I'm talking about. That, yes. that is exculpatory evidence. And for yes. that evidence not to be produced, you're talking about the prosecution being sanctioned and some type of referral. If I was that uh, individual's attorney, I would ask for an immediate, solid, immediate writ. And have that case re, uh, reconsidered immediately that's unbelievable I mean Leo
1: he got the guy we're talking about Jacob Chansley they called the QAnon shaman by media people and the Chewbacca costume or whatever it was keep Leo he got four years in prison I, I, how I mean I don't understand what what is it now just answer me one question as a lawyer because I know this area is a little bit gray with Brady material, in other words, the requirement by a government prosecutor and an agent to turn over evidence of someone's innocence. If I'm going to prosecute Jim for robbing a bank and I find out he was in Acapulco when the bank in Maryland was robbed, I'm obligated to turn that over. Having said that, the argument, Leo, some people have used is, well, they turned over the library of whatever it was, 41,000 hours of video. No, no, no. You're not allowed to play cute, Leo. You're not allowed to bury a document in six truckloads of documents, a document you know exists and points to Leo Terrell or Jim's innocence, and then say, oh, we gave you three truckloads. My fault you didn't see it. I'm not crazy, right? You're not allowed to play cute with evidence like that.
3: You cannot play the needle in the haystack game. They have, uh, damn, they have an affirmative obligation. I can't say it any clearer. They have an affirmative obligation. To make sure they go through all that evidence and they have an obligation to turn over that evidence, they have to do the homework. They're in control custody of all the evidence. They have an affirmative obligation and there is no excuse for it. I'm telling you, that that man not only has a chance to have that case reversed, he's going to have a nice civil lawsuit. I'm not trying to promote that, but he has a nice civil lawsuit because of their obligation. It's constitutional. It is Brady versus Maryland. Every a civil rights attorney every criminal attorney knows that case and every prosecutor knows it dan
1: yeah and and every every agent and police officer does too leo because you'll once you i don't i i think what the what the public who didn't do what we did in that line of work needs to understand is if you're a federal agent or an attorney and you're you're, you're found to have violated the brady requirements that's disclosable in additional cases in the future. So when Dan Bongino, say federal agent Dan Bongino, is on the stand, that's going to be used to impeach me in every single case from that point on. So if you get caught in Brady, yeah, go ahead, Leo, sorry.
3: Let me go one step further. If Dan Bongino got caught with holy Brady evidence, Dan Bongino is a cancer to the department because they can't use it anymore. They're going to use that for impeachment and they're going to go back and look at all your other cases. So forward, backwards and forward. You're a dead man walking. You're no
1: good. Yep. They'll fire your ass right right away. And yeah they'll fire you right away. and and they tell you that in the uh, federal law enforcement training center they're clear about that that if you get nailed on giglio or brady said so you're gone like they'll they have zero use for you whatsoever it's you are 100 accurate you are useless you can yeah. never be used as an undercover as an arresting agent as a case agent nothing let me move on to we're talking to leo terrell uh just a great guy one of our most popular guests and an actual civil liberties attorney who's fought for civil rights unlike these idiots in the media so leo this the thing about mandates it's always bothered me vaccine mandates uh, mask mandates uh because i live in a free country if you want to get this shot then go ahead and get the shot if you're willing to take the risk you want to put a mask on go right ahead and knock yourself out i've never had a problem with people who choose to do it i have a problem with government telling us uh what to do with it but where's the old civil liberties left that you knew well? I mean, where's the ACLU and groups, you know, you might have fought alongside with in the past because you're an actual civil libertarian. What happened to the left you used to know? And does that explain your departure from the Democrat Party and over to the conservative cause? Is that is that what happened? Is that was that part of it?
3: Yes, I'm going to be a great question. First of all, that 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 civil liberty section of the left, it's gone. It's silent. It's quiet. And then that's one of the reasons why they don't believe in liberty or freedom. They're not fighting for that. They want power and control. And what has happened to the left is simply we will do anything. We will say anything for power and control. And they got a big ally. It's called 95 percent of the media. And I'll tell you right now, that's not how I grew up with civil rights. That's not what I believe in. I don't believe in controlling one's life. I believe in letting individuals make choices for themselves and that has what that's right. one of the major reason why i left the left
1: it's crazy yeah, I The i mean left is crazy it, yeah they, 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 it's it's worrisome because i you know i think back to the old bill clinton jfk democrat party you know the era of big government's over you know jfk arguing for lower marginal tax rates and i wonder what happened myself oh uh, let me get to another topic involving civil liberties uh, i've been talking a lot about this lately because it's an area that concerns me as well It was an FBI memo released not that long ago. And the memo whistleblower leaked it showing that the FBI uh, was targeting potentially Catholics who attended Latin mass. Now, Leo, you've read the Constitution. You're an actual lawyer. I'm pretty sure your right to practice your religion um, is kind of written into the Constitution somewhere. Call me crazy. But this kind of stuff really worries me. And what worries me even more is as a former man of the left who understands him again, where's the media and the ACLU and these other groups when it comes to the weaponization of government. I mean, it seems like now with the January 6th stuff and with the weaponization of the FBI, it almost appears like they're actually enjoying this.
3: They are because, Dan, right now they're able to get away with it. The uninformed basically follows. You know, there's a lot of people, damn that believe that government tells the truth. The government is a liar. The, the U.S. government lies to the American people. But there's a large segment. Of the American population that believes everything the government has said, and I'll tell you right now, you know it, you talk about it. The government has been weaponized. The FBI, Department of Justice, Dan. I'm not tooting your horn, but I said, man, you need to be the FBI director because it is <laughs> corrupt. It is no, I'm serious. It's absolutely corrupt. It is yeah. weaponized. I, I mean, listen,
1: they are upset with Tucker for releasing information. I know, I know. They're, I've never seen that's crazy. Leo. Think about it. We, you're you like. You, Brother, you're singing my... T- I've, I said this... Uh, the first two hours of my show I've been on this topic. This is how crazy this is. Nobody is condoning violence. Nobody's suggesting the videos of the violence didn't happen. But here's the weird part, Leo. Tucker is literally releasing videos that not a single person questions are authentic. They came right. from the Capitol Police and Kevin McCarthy. The house. They're real. And the media's take, Leo, this is where you and I do this for a living, is the most insane I've ever seen. Their take is this. Those videos are real, and you shouldn't see them because we don't like them. And you're like, wait, that's not a real take. And the liberals are like, yeah, man, sounds good to me. Then the most important reason is
3: is I learned this in law school. First question is why? Because it destroys their false narrative. And that's the the reason why they're mad. See, that proves my point. They don't have any problem lying. And what Tucker's done is expose the lie. And they are angry.
1: They're furious.
3: They can lie. And they had that lie
1: for 26 months. I can't let you go without... I'm going to put you on the spot here. So... You want me to be the FBI director? All right, yeah. I, I'd, 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 I only because of you, I I'd consider out that. I've it
3: several times. If our, I get mad, if our,
1: I know, I know, I follow. You. If I, if our guy Trump gets in again, I'd consider it. But uh, I think he should consider you for the vice presidential nod. What do you think? Would you take that?
3: Uh, let me tell you right now. I'm I, thanks for that offer i want to be white house counsel i want to be inside there yes yes voice piece for president trump if he asks me to be a white house counsel i'm gonna i love it i'm gonna tell the truth because that's i love that idea
2: i love that idea
1: i'll do that on a second notice you're the fbi director jim what do you think i'm the white house counsel jim loves it too leo leo terrell yeah. white house counsel i don't i think Well, i think you'd be a, i can imagine you with your legal skills you're you're, you're comfortable in front of cameras uh, and your smarts i could see you in a vp debate just slaying the others it would just be so bad i would i'd love to hear them lecturing you on civil liberties and racism oh okay thanks thanks for your opinion really appreciate that except I've lived it and fought for it. I would love to see you going no, after it. Oh, living just right now. Epic,
3: Leo. If, if that was the case, Dan, heavyweight versus peewee weight Kamala Harris, <laughs> are you kidding me? Heavyweight versus yeah. Pee- they won't face in that fight. That fight won't last. My yeah, God,
1: man. That's oh, horrific. Le- Leo, horrific. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I'm seeing you up on the stage now and I'm like, this could be yeah. the greatest TV I've ever seen. Leo Terrell, thank you so much for coming on. I know uh, it's a, a hassle, you know, uh, you taking no, time out of your day, you're a busy you. guy. Never no, thanks, you. buddy. My audience loves you. It's good to have you, pal. Good to talk to you. Thanks My for coming. My pleasure, on. love you. That was Leo Terrell. Up next is Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. We'll get to that in a second, but let me tell you about our next sponsor. Today's show is brought to you by HelixSleep.com, H-E-L-I-X, HelixSleep.com slash Dan. Sleep, listen, as you get older, is critical. That deep, deep healing sleep. Folks, it changed my life. I write about it. I Actually, write about it at the end of my new book, how important sleep is. It'll change your life when you understand that. Listen, Helix knows everybody's unique. They have several different mattress models to give you the best sleep matched on your body type and sleep preferences. Once you match, your mattress comes right to your door shipped for free. When you receive your Helix mattress, you'll be obsessed with it like I am. I'm a side sleeper. I have very specific sleep needs. I have the midnight lux. That's what they match me to, and I love it. It's quick and and fun to unbox. You won't believe how well you'll sleep. You'll wake up feeling rested, refreshed, ready to tackle the day. They have a 10-year warranty. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is now offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners to this program. It's a great deal. It's their best offer yet. So go today, don't wait. It's H-E-L-I-X, helixsleep.com slash Dan, helixsleep.com slash Dan. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Here's Representative Bobert talking about the newly released January 6th videos, how we're winning against media manipulation and the COVID hearings. Check this out. One of my favorite guests, just favorite people in D.C. altogether, because we have a rule on the show. The no squish rule. We don't allow any squishes because there's an opportunity cost to our time. It's limited here with you. So uh, someone who's definitely not a squish and is willing to fight for something is Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Congresswoman, thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate it.
4: Dan, thank you so much. Gosh, your intro just fires me up uh, from the well, introduction thank you. to your show talking about taking on the radical left and draining the putrid swamp and then. Your intro of me. I'm ready to go take them on now. Let's
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> the putrid swamp thing's hilarious because Jim's original proposed opening did not say that. Remember that, Jim? And I'm like, no, this is when uh, Congresswoman, before the show even started, we're doing these production meetings. And I'm like, nah, we're being too nice here. Like, we need a word that really describes the swamp. Unfortunately, you know a lot about in D.C. that you're. Uh, trying to combat now i said let's go with putrid he's like nah, it doesn't sound monitor i'm like let's do it anyway and that's how that stuck so listen yeah <laughs> thank you thank you the dividends of your work in the race for speaker i just want to note again are already paying off so all of those uh, haters out there who said you guys were crazy for extending the fight for speaker just for a few days no big deal Mm -hmm. Uh, We got Kevin McCarthy to release the January 6th tapes. We've got him to stand by some firm conservative things. I know you're going to stay on it. It's no time to pop the champagne. Mm -hmm. But uh, wouldn't you agree like that fights are paying dividends already?
4: Absolutely. We received so many tools from that speakers race uh, that we have been fighting to obtain in Washington, D.C. for decades. And uh, now is the time to put those tools to use. We've already been executing uh, a lot of great things, but I don't want to only sit and admire the tools that we have. I want to get some nicks and dings in them, and I want to bust these babies open and uh, actually put them to use. Uh, what good are the tools if we don't use them? So that's what we're all working on right now. We got the Weaponization Committee going. Uh, we have the COVID Select Committee going. We're looking into the origins, the CCP, what they're doing, buying our farms and our water, our resources, uh, and, and so much more, uh, holding China accountable. And then, you know, on oversight, Chairman Jamie Comer, I think he is one of the most aggressive chairmen that we have in the House yeah, right great. now. He's uh, great. He is, and he is ready to uh, start slinging subpoenas. He's he's got a process. We're working on it. We're we're not like the Democrats. We we follow a little bit of rules, and uh, you know we're we're gonna start bringing these people in by the dozens, and it, it's gonna be amazing.
1: Yeah, and I love how the liberal media is making this out like it was some kind of a scandal. Like I got a scandal. I got a laugh. They're like they're asking Kevin McCarthy the other day, did conservative members ask you for conservative stuff? in exchange for their vote for speaker and i'm looking i'm listening congressman i'm like is this a real question no no they mm-hmm. didn't they asked for liberal stuff like that's a serious question from these idiots right. that's how bizarre they are but uh, the stuff you guys lobbied for conservative stuff mm-hmm. in your vote for speaker which it, which is a that is a feature not a glitch liberal media that's what we're right. supposed to do you're so right. right these hearings have already produced dividends let me ask you a question about that so yesterday we had the twitter files hearings and uh, they really, I have to tell you, you don't have to agree with me. You're in Congress. You say it how you like. But I think the Democrats exposed themselves yesterday as some of the communists they are. I'm not kidding, Congresswoman. And you had a, you had a, the delegate from the Virgin Islands almost yeah. demanding a journalist protected by our Constitution, yeah. literally written into the First Amendment, expose his sources and the Twitter files drop in front of the mm-hmm. entire country.
4: It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Yes, you know, Democrats are able to hide any person they want, any source that they yes. want. They could just make up anything. And, uh, you know, you even have Benny Thompson saying, Oh, I never even saw the January 6th videos. Uh, you know, so <laughs> they, they get to cover Good up point. all this stuff. And then they want every little source, every little detail to to try to put us in some sort of gotcha moment. No, you're part of the federal government. You are here to protect our First Amendment rights, and you're not going to go after journalists and, and get them to expose their sources when they're just reporting the truth to the American people. They're reporting the information that they have to the American people to, to make a decision on. And then we see Democrats, they, they actually, the, the federal government was actually working with NewsGuard to... Prop up certain news organizations, not just feed them a story. That happens all the time. I like this news outlet. I'm gonna I'm gonna feed them a story. I like Dan Bongino. I'm gonna go on his radio show and talk. No, no, yeah. no. They're actually paying. They're they're We're incentivizing right. advertisers to to pay uh, for their ads on certain news outlets uh, publications this is absolutely wrong and the way they treated these journalists was an absolute disgrace i i'm proud of them for coming in taking a stand and speaking out about what they know
1: and these committees you know uh, one of my favorite authors uh, Skyfred fred siegel he he's written books about it. one of them called is called revolt against the masses and in there he discusses how liberals basically move liberalism along through the telling of narrative stories not the truth but stories and he talks about Congresswoman the Iron Triangle all the time. And the Iron Triangle is congressional committees, activist groups, and the liberal media. He says, in other words, think it through, right? You want you wanna you wanna push out a liberal narrative like the polar bears are dying or whatever it may be, right? You get a congressional committee to do a hearing, show some pictures of some dying polar bears, right? An activist group takes it and runs with it. Pins are everywhere on a college campus. Save the polar bears, right? And then you have the media running stories on CBS News and Rachel Maddow. Oh, my gosh, the polar bears are dying. They've been doing this for years. Now, as a a member of Congress for a few years now, so now you know the routine. You've been there. You know, you got the lay of the land. I am so grateful that members of the Republican Party, the good ones, not the swampy ones, the good ones like yourself, are starting to figure this out that this stuff matters. I'm sorry that, I really am sorry that there's a performance component to politics. I wish there weren't, but this is the real world. And the Republicans are finally figuring it out. You guys wanna use congressional committees to show the world what's going on? We're gonna show the world what's really going on in our committees.
4: That's exactly right. And we actually have real oversight now. We have been stifled and unable to have congressional oversight in the House of Representatives for several years now uh, because Democrats held the gavels. And now we have those gavels and we are actually able to conduct oversight in the federal government. What a concept. These agencies that were created by Congress, funded by Congress, well, really by the taxpayers, but appropriated by Congress. They have to answer to us now. Come in and and tell us what is going on. Even in oversight, we've had hearings on the waste, fraud, and abuse with the COVID money that went out over five hundred billion dollars. Oh my god! An
1: embarrassment.
5: Yeah.
4: Yes, such an embarrassment. I mean, we had money going going to um, Japanese prisoners. I I mean, come on, this is absolutely ridiculous. But but we have um, we we brought in um, yesterday a director of OPM, and she's not even able to state how many federal employees are currently working full time. She tried to dodge the question with my colleague Byron Donald from Florida, a great man, glad to have him on oversight. Yeah, he's he, great. he asked her how how many federal employees have actually even gone back to work with with OPM. We've we've already talked about the fraud, abuse, and waste, and and what about all this other waste that's still going on? How many people are working from home and not even logging in on their laptop? And she was not able to give them that number. Instead, she said, oh, it's in a public report. You can look it up. Well, ma'am, we brought you in, director,
5: to have these answers.
4: And so when when I questioned her, I said, actually, I just looked at the report, and the report doesn't state it. Oh, well, we're, we're working on that. This is a problem when you have a director of OPM coming in and saying we don't know how many federal employees are actually back to work when COVID is over. That is still waste, fraud and abuse occurring in our federal government. But we're getting to the bottom of it by having these hearings.
1: Yeah, no, they're great. I mean, imagine a CEO saying that. How many people you got in your tech department? Eh, I don't know. Can you figure it out? Eh, maybe we'll figure it out one day. I mean, it would you'd be fired immediately. Your, stale, your, your stock would, would, uh, would take a dump in, almost instantaneously. So. We're talking to Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, one of the good ones out there who we really like. Congresswoman, a couple more uh, topics here. Fauci yesterday appeared on Fox News on Neil Cavuto's show where he goes to uh, you know do his uh, mea culpa's and fake ones. And uh, he's insisting, again, that he did not push lockdowns, uh, still trying to push some evidence about this potential wet market theory. Um, And he said, you know, I wasn't the one who kept uh, CDC director Redfield off the call Mm. about the potential lab leak. Uh, I just don't trust this guy. And, you know, he just reminds me of the Motley Crue song, you know, you know, girl, don't go away, man. Just just go away at this point. I mean, he's been on the wrong side of everything. True. Yes,
4: I, you know, I, I want to see him in cuffs and not those invisible cuffs that AOC carries around. Uh, Fauci needs to be locked up for what he has done to the American people. Uh, we are seeing the origins of COVID. We knew it all along. Um, it, it's coming out, and uh, we're, we're seeing that this was um, absolutely gain of function. And you talk about it often on your show very clearly and eloquently, getting this information out to the people. I'm so grateful for that. But Fauci did push lockdowns. He did push masks. He did push vaccines and vaccine mandates. And he has injured so many thousands, tens of thousands of Americans, if not more, whether it be financially, uh, whether it be our children in schools, uh, or even spiritually with the lockdown of churches, how many churches are back to their full capacity, or people just, you know, said, well, we don't we don't do this anymore, or or even with uh, the vaccines that were forced on them. Uh, there's so much that he did that was absolutely wrong. And he needs to, uh, to be held accountable to the fullest extent
1: for his action. You know, I, I have never been the type, uh, I am a civil libertarian at heart, i said this repeatedly, to call for the weaponization of government on either end, but I've got to tell you, this guy, uh, there appears to be some significant evidence that he may have obstructed justice in the investigation mm-hmm. of what may be one of the biggest criminal acts in human history, which is the release, whether accidental or purposeful, I don't know, from the Wuhan lab. And if he did anything to obstruct that investigation, that is a very, very serious thing. And uh, he—he definitely—I don't disagree with you at all that there should be an investigation here, and maybe a criminal one of what they did. Mm-hmm. Last question, though, Congressman—we're talking to Congressman Lauren Boebert. The Biden budget—it's—it's it's a joke. It's—it's it's an embarrassment. It's a six-point-eight <laughs> $6. trillion-dollar gorge fest of pork and just crazy insanity uh, included in it, or five trillion in new taxes. The hilarious part is. He thinks this is a campaign document for him to run in 2024. My question to you in the final two minutes here is, you know, you're up again in two years. I think you're great. We're going to support you, get you reelected again. But I think this is a gift to you. I think you should be going out to all your constituents in Colorado like, hey, here's what this guy wants. I support none of that. I support economic freedom and money in your wallet instead.
4: Absolutely. And Dan, look, I support a balanced budget, but my main focus is what can we do with the majority this year and next year? What are the cuts we can make now? And that starts with repealing the four hundred billion dollars for the student uh, loan forgiveness that that Joe Biden issued, um, repealing the Green New Deal out of the so-called inflation reduction act. and uh, and so much more. We could start clawing this money back and saving the American taxpayer money now. We need to return to... 2019 pre-COVID spending levels. You know, the the government was still big then. It's not like we're shrinking it that much, but we do need to shrink it some in order to save America. And that's what we're running on. House Freedom Caucus came out with our proposal today. And this is a stake in the ground. This is a great foundation to build from. I think there's still more money that we can rescind in unobligated COVID funds and, and so much more. But Casting the American people more is not the answer. His plan is disastrous. His budget is dead on arrival. And I'm, I, I think it's disgusting and disingenuous that he would say that this is investing in America because it is not. It does not help people put food on the table, put gas in their cars or or provide good paying jobs. So families want to stress about childcare and all of their utilities right. and all of this is going on. No, it's an investment in Washington, D.C., in bureaucrats. And in special interest groups and lobbyists, and that is what is yep. so wrong about this town, and that's what we're fighting to undo.
1: Wow, what a pro! I said two minutes, you like hit it to the mark. It was almost like you had a timer, and you're at, you clearly you've done a few media hits, one or two here or there, correct? <laughs> I
4: got this. You know, I, I, get, I get gaveled out when I'm when I'm out of time. So,
1: <laughs> man, you're good. That was very good, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, You're always welcome back on the show, and thank you for always fighting the good fight up there. We appreciate it.
4: Happy
1: to do it. Thanks, Dan. That was Lauren Boebert. Up next is Charlie Gasparino about the Silicon Valley Bank crisis. What really happened? He's got some really good insight. And he broke some news on our show you may have missed. You're going to want to check that out. But uh, Let's get to our next sponsor first. Hey, spring's in the air. It can only mean one thing. Spring grilling. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to spring into something delicious with their semi-annual sale. With 50% off site-wide, grab all your favorites like perfectly aged tender steaks, ocean fresh, seafood, juicy burgers, and decadent desserts. Plus, when you go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O at checkout, you'll get an additional $30 off your order. It's a perfect way to get fired up and spring into something special. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, use code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O at checkout, and take advantage of this deal. The steaks are absolutely delicious. I've been a fan for a long time since I lived back in Maryland. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. You're going to want to hurry because 50% off site-wide is only happening for a limited time, so don't miss your chance to save. Visit omahasteaks.com. Use code Bongino at checkout and get an additional $30 off when you shop their semi-annual sale today. Minimum order may be required. Here's Charlie Gasparino on the banking crisis. Is this thing going to spread? So I'm fascinated by this topic for a number of reasons. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of them are... um, not really great or value adding to a society. The fact that we can't get our heads out of our collective asses and figure out how to run a financial system, uh, you know, without the government screwing everything up every day, doesn't put a smile on my face. I'm in the same financial system. I don't want to see the country collapse. That's not my goal here. My goal here is to explain to you the problems we're dealing with and how we can potentially move to a kind of more prosperous tomorrow by not repeating the same mistakes we keep making. Here to talk about it, a great guest, really smart guy. Uh, Charlie Gasparino uh, works over at Fox News, colleague over there, really smart guy. Charlie, thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it.
0: Anytime, Dan. How are you?
1: I'm good. So uh, I've been listening to a lot of your commentary. I always do always turn the volume up when you're on. And Thank It's you. a Silicon Valley Bank uh, debacle. You know, I find so many people over explaining it. So it's why like your commentary. It seems to me from looking at it to be a simple old school bad decision on maturities, a mismatch there, which is, you know, as old as finance and really awful management. I mean, how did they not see that interest rates were going to go up? Even the Fed chairman said they were going to go up
0: right and it's not even that i mean you know if you follow this bank if listen a friend of mine used to work there so i got a little insight into this thing oh, good um if you follow this thing you know this was a business that really blew up during the wicked money printing of the uh, of the of 2020 and beyond like when we were literally spending money like crazy locking yeah. locking everybody down right um Given money to checks for people to stay home, which was in retrospect one of the dumbest thing you could probably do. Um, the Federal Reserve was taking interest rates to zero and and printing money at a at a, an enormous clip this this bank took off it was like kind of perfectly situated to take off because as you remember in 2020 tech took off right because everybody was doing zoom uh there was tons of money in 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 uh, swashing around wall street for the next three years that it needed to be put to work and a lot of that money was involving tech so its business model was essentially to uh be the banker um the sort of local banker for the VC community in Silicon Valley. And it grew from something like 50 billion in assets to 200 billion in assets, like in a relatively short period of time in the middle, in that time, if you look at its books, if you look at what type of business it did, it essentially was, you know, Handing out loans to venture capital companies. So a venture capital company, excuse me, the portfolio companies of venture capital and private equity. What I mean by that is a private equity company buys other companies, right? Those companies nominally run themselves with financing from their ownership of private equity, which is KKR. Same thing with the venture capitalists. They buy companies, they seed companies, they essentially own most of the company or a chunk of the company, uh, and they, 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 that company runs by itself, but you know with input from the, the private from the VC uh, from their VC backer. in running those company for themselves, they, they need to have a banking relationship and they off, and they did it with these guys right. and these guys would extend them lines of credit, various types of loans. You know, collateral back loans. You name it. There's all this, all this very, you know, intricate stuff that they did with those, with to that, to that VC portfolio, portfolio company community and private equity community out there in Silicon Valley. In return, those companies would do their banking with with this guy, with these guys, and you know, give them their money. Like if they had money that they needed to put put aside, which they all do for payroll and short term expenses, it was at Silicon Valley Bank. So think about that. That is the least diversified business model you could think of. One industry that is highly, highly reliant and dependent on on the continuation of low interest rates, because that's what was fueling the sort of startup VC industry, particularly in tech, was low interest rates and lots of money. The minute that spigot got turned off, guess what? Tech started to crater, remember? Facebook off its highs, you know they're all laying everybody. All Salesforce off its highs. And if you think about that, those are the profitable companies. Think about if you're a VC portfolio company which has which is still in early stages and not making any money, you have more you have more money problems. So put that together. They, okay, so the the uh, the bloom is off the rose in the um, in the VC tech community those companies are cutting back on all their borrowing from 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 um, Silicon Valley Bank maybe some of them are going belly up on on their on their borrowings on their lines of credit and on top of that they now have to pull money out of the bank so they're reducing their deposits and you get what you have here and then someone smells that and then rumors spread and the the run is on. And that's essentially what you had here. Here's the real question. And I know that the Democrats keep saying, oh, you know, they, they loosened Dodd-Frank and that caused, you know, the, the yeah, uh... banks that were had less than $200 billion were no longer regulated by the Fed, which is wrong, by the way. Here's what they did with Dodd-Frank. All they did was said, if you are under $200 billion in assets, you are are no longer a systemically important bank. You're not JP Morgan. You're not gonna blow up the whole system. So those systemically important banks get double the the regulatory oversight than you. You still get regulatory oversight. You just don't get the additional proctology exam that JP Morgan <laughs> right. gets. Right? You still get you still get exam a lot. Right. Not just right. Me. now here's the thing. In the middle of this exam how come these guys, the Federal Reserve, and it would be the San right. Francisco Fed, they didn't know that these guys had the most leveraged business model to one community that's highly interest rate dependent? I, I, I just right. don't understand it. I mean, it's just, it just it's, it's mind-boggling. And th- this is not about deregulation. This is about that, I mean, this is really a story that, that regulation never catches this stuff.
1: It, it you, doesn't, it, and, and I'm reading a... I'm reading a piece by uh, by Galston in the journal right before I came on right. the air. And Galston's suggesting that exactly what you just said, that right. we shouldn't have modified Dodd-Frank, that these government regulators are, quote, better position to find this stuff. And listen, I read do. Galston stuff all the time. They never how where is he getting that from? Charlie, know. I'm only I mean, forty eight. You
0: know, I read his I, stuff too at times, but it's it, it it they never catch it. And you know, but they never the catch I bet it you, I bet you if they did a stress test they wouldn't have caught it. And because they don't stress... First off, a lot of these stress tests are BS. They, they, they're they known often on Wall Street as feather tests, by the way. Um,
1: and don't they overweight government-denominated assets yeah, anyway? Of course, they Which, do. of course
0: they do. But, you know, here's really the best stress test in the world. Stop printing money. Stop debasing <laughs> the currency. Shocker. That's when yeah, you right. take interest rates down to zero forever, when you debase the currency, when you print money... When you hand people checks and so the whole economy has more money floating around than goods to buy you're going to find people are going to do stupid things they're going to go out on the risk spectrum they're not going to put their money in a bank because it gets because banks are flush with cash and they they give you zero percent they put your their money in other things crypto. Meme stocks, you know, crazy stocks with no earnings. Remember, all those things blew up. That's all because of this. Yep. All because of zero yeah. percent interest rates. A lot of other things, you know, real estate that quad, that quintuples in value, and they still put it in because money is 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 abundant and interest rates are zero. The minute you turn to do a one eighty on that, you start exposing the, the cracks that that easy money created. Now, I guess the point is. Why didn't we just keep interest rates at zero and let everything go on? And, you know, you know, Silicon Valley Bank wouldn't have went under, and we'd have, we wouldn't have a recession. Well, then you get, like, massive inflation. And I don't think people understand is how, you know, we're just we're in the throes right now, beginning throes of inflation. I grew up in the 70s. My dad yeah. was a construction worker who drove a cab and bartended. And the reason why he did three is because he couldn't get by on one. And that's yeah. what inflation does. Okay, you could yeah, have a job, that's... but it's almost like a recession. You're just working through it, you know, just busting your rear end. And the other thing is, a lot of times when you have that runaway inflation, and it usually means wages wages never really keep up with the price increases. That's one of the problems. It's called the wage price spiral. It just never happens. You know, you're constantly ch- your wage growth is constantly chasing the um the uh, The inflation of the goods that you need to just survive um there comes a point where people just start cutting back and then you, you get a you get a recession anyway so you know you, you know you got to pick your poison we're now in the poison part that because we did all this stupid stuff, we're going to have to pay the piper or else we're going to have 6%. I mean, I, I'm telling you, man, today the market's going crazy because they think, oh, well, inflation came down a little right. bit. Right, they're, they're going to dial
1: back that rate hikes. That's gonna, what they
0: think. I, you know what? I'm going to give you now, a Now, If he comes in with sc-
1: a 50 gonna, basis points hike, he's going he'll collapse the whole market.
0: You know. I'm going to so. give you a scoop right now that I'm about to hit the button on on my Twitter feed before you called. All right. I'll yes. break it here on nice. Dan Bongino's show. The awesome. Federal Reserve yeah, is likely to tighten another 25 basis points, despite sentiment that Powell will hold amid the SBV implosion. Senior banking executives tell Fox Business.
1: Well, what do you think happens to the market, Charlie, if, the, if that goes? Because they're expecting nothing. They're, the market right now gonna, is pricing in nothing.
0: It's going to, you know what, to bed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Charlie, I got about a a minute left, but being a guy who understands basic economics quite well and can explain it, does it ever really piss you off that there's a solution to all of this? Like Reagan figured it out you know, right. get a reasonable control over the money supply and then enhance your productivity curve so you can produce more stuff to suck up all the money. Like, right. there's an actual solution out there and they don't want to do it. They just want more taxes in government.
0: Well, yeah, and cut, scale back the massive regulations and let, let, let money start flowing to things. Now, you know, every time there's a blow-up, they blame it on lack of regulation when it's usually the economic incentives that cause it. And, I, you know... I, I I you know it's listen, we, we could talk about this all day. Um what's going on in Washington right now, who controls stuff, particularly on the democratic side, is is not confidence building. I mean we really yeah. have the least economically competent guy. I always thought Obama was economically incompetent. Oh, Joe Biden's oh, oh. worse than that. Obama um, but, looks
1: like Calvin Coolidge compared to this guy.
0: I, I, I mean this it, guy
1: I I don't know Charlie if it's stupidity or weakness with this guy with oh. Biden. But the things he says are just insane. I mean tomorrow yeah. I'm going to go into he just said again the other day that we may need fossil fuels for 10 more 10 more years.
0: What are you crazy? How does we're he know? Even, we're really? like 50 years away from that. Right. How does he know? Does he know? Exactly. I mean, this guy can't. this guy can't string together a sentence without tripping over himself. And he's, exactly. telling, he's predicting wh- when fossil fuels are going to go by the wayside. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, Janet Yellen is just pathetic. She's, she's a complete academic that that's never done anything. Um, you would expect more out of Powell but he, you know he 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 copied Yellen's playbook by and he gave in to them and just kept kept cutting rates and printing money he should have stopped you know when we should have stopped and i people are going to you know shake their head but i think we were coming out of it after when when Biden got elected in early 2021 we were coming out of everything um, businesses were opening we had a we had a vaccine that worked Modestly, at least at first, you know, we weren't going to go back to shutdown. We weren't going to have that, that, that hell anymore. And you know, we just kept printing money and spending money. And, and, and you know you can't have an experience like that and, and not have the sort of dislocations we're seeing right now. And by the way, I know, I know people keep saying printing money, spending money. Isn't, haven't we done that forever? No, not at this level. Debt is no, up 38% of GDP right now.
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, we haven't seen numbers like this. We've surpassed now. We're coming out of a world war, World War II. Charlie, I'm yeah. out of time. I got to run. I'd love to do like an hour or so on my podcast. Anytime. You're a fascinating guy. Charlie, thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate you coming on.
0: Thanks, Dan. Bye.
1: You got it. Folks, he's not wrong. We have never seen debt like this accumulated by any government in the history of the known cosmos. That's a fact. Nominal or real debt, there has never been anything like it in the history of human beings. And before we go, as a little supplemental, I asked Jim to include this. For all of those out there on the liberal side, the wokesters who believe that there's safe spaces, Jim and I had a lot of fun with this rant that happened on the radio on Thursday this past week, and we wanted you to hear it for yourself. Check this out. Jim, cue up for me, cut one. This is federal judge Kyle Duncan. He's speaking at the Stanford Law School. Again, what the hell would a judge want to talk to a law school? by I mean, that's crazy. What would he have to offer, right? And of course, he's interrupted by woke lunatics, screaming and yelling like raving banshees, like that X-Men character, Banshee, Ah, ah, screaming, wetting their diapers, need little wipees to clean them up. Mommy needs to come for him. By the way, you disgust me. Oh, Dan, get to the video. No, no, I want to complain a bit. You disgust me, you woke little loser punks. You're such little zeros. I mean, how pathetic and disgusting your horrible little lives are. You sit there in Stanford Law School, right? You've been pampered your whole life, you wussbags. You shameless wussbags. You've probably spent the equivalent of 90% of your life in your mommy's basement eating Pop-Tarts, looking at a, 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 looking at your a favorite OnlyFans account. That's what you do with your time. And somehow, you know, daddy's money got you into Stanford Law. And you got a federal judge up there, an accomplished guy. And because he's appointed by Trump, and won't use preferred pronouns for an accused kitty rapist? You go. You start melting down and taking a leak in your diaper. Oh my gosh, I wet myself! You're such little wuss bags. And then, to, if you're listening right now to the woke liberals, know this: we can't stand you. i, I don't, Oh my gosh, you should be nice. You're supposed to be getting listeners. I don't want you to listen. Tune out. I really despise you. I everything you stand for, I hate everything. Everything. You stand for, I can't stand, your race essentialism, your war on civil rights, your censorship, your faux virtue signaling. Look how virtuous I am. I pissed my pants while a, a lawyer was speaking a judge in front of the school. Look at me. I'm so special, ma. You're a loser. You're a zero. You're a total life loser. You're a scrub. Remember that song, I Don't Want No Scrubs by I Don't Want No scrub. That's you. They're talking about you. You're a scrub. I'm sorry, I'm just a little annoyed today. Here's the audio, and you can watch the video on my Rumble account. Here's Judge Kyle Duncan getting heckled by a bunch of diaper wearing liberal losers at Stanford Law. And I want you to listen. This is Tyrion Steinbach, the DEI dean, the diversity, equity, and inclusion dean, lecturing the judge about safe spaces, this is hilarious, check this out. And
5: it impacts directly their people, humans, their families, and their communities. And I'm uncomfortable, and it's uncomfortable to say this to you as a person. It's uncomfortable to say that for many people here, your work has caused harm, has has caused harm. And I know that must be uncomfortable to hear. I know that must be, let me please finish. And I want to give you space to finish your remarks too, Judge Duncan. I'm also uncomfortable because many of the people in the room here I've come to care for. um, And in my role at this university, my job is to create a space of belonging for all people in this institution. And that is hard and messy and not easy and the answers are not black or white or right or wrong. This is actually part of the creation of belonging. And it doesn't feel comfortable and it doesn't always feel safe, but there are always places of safety and there is always an intention from this administration to make sure you all can be in a place where you feel fully you can be here, learn, grow into the amazing advocates and lawyers and leaders that you're going to be.
1: These kids are going to grow up to be pathetic losers. And they are going to be assistant United States attorneys and attorneys general and prosecutors. And I guarantee you, these life losers will be the first ones to take your ass and put it in jail because they found out on a social media post in a civil case that you had a MAGA hat on. And let me add to the lecture here too. let Tyrion Steinbeck uh, turn to someone in uh, in in that area was in Palo Alto out there wherever Stanford is. Can someone turn this up? Because we're on these radio stations out there and play this for Tyrion. I got a little lecture for Tyrion who decided to lecture the judge about safe spaces. You ready? Here we go. Three, two, one. There are no freaking safe spaces. The world is a really, really hard place. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was a young agent, right? I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You get out of training. I've never protected the president before. They tell me Bill Clinton, when he was president, he was done getting his... in the Oval Office, you know that was almost he was coming to an end of the presidency. And as a site, there's a site up in SUNY Albany, they're like Bongino, new guy, yeah, I mean, whatever, boss. Hey, you need to drive up to SUNY Albany. Where's that? Figure it out. Go to MapQuest. I think that's what we used at the time. There were no GPS, right? Remember MapQuest, Jim? You print it out. Direction. Right. Turn right. <laughs> right. So I went up to SUNY Albany to do a, uh, a security for Bill Clinton. And because I didn't know anything, they said, go sit up in the bleachers. He was giving a speech in the gym. You know, the bleachers, they roll them out from the wall. You've been at your kid's game, right? The most uncomfortable seats possible. I'm standing there. Well, Bill Clinton, of course, because he always liked touching people. At least he didn't sniff them like Biden. There was no sniffing, but he did a lot of touching, sometimes more. He loved to come up there and shake hands. So he decides he's going to start walking up these bleachers, which are quite high. And I'm there. And let me tell you something. The boss of the Times, a guy's name was Al. This guy was the deputy special agent in charge of that detail. He almost threw my ass off the bleachers because I moved in the wrong direction and got in the president's way. I probably would have died. I probably would have been paralyzed. You think I would have gotten an apology from Nah, Al didn't give a... Not one bit. He said, listen, youngster, get your ass out of the way. You're in the way of the president. Move. I had bosses scream at me in a 27,000-degree octave, if that's even a thing, in front of a bunch of cops when we got lost doing a side advance for Hillary Clinton driving to a wedding one time. I had a guy verbally completely undress me. I mean, like, it couldn't have been any uglier in front of probably 10 or 15 cops. The world ain't safe, dipwads. The world is not a safe place, and there's no safe space. You know what you got to do? you got to treat the world like an unsafe space. Everywhere you go is unsafe. And when you act like everywhere you go is unsafe, you prepare yourself for the insecurity of it. You know what reduces the anxiety of the unsafe environment you're going to walk out in called the world? Preparedness. Train your body. Train your mind. Be smart so you can outsmart the next guy. Every boardroom you ever going to go in in a real business for the rest of your life is unsafe. There is a vulture On the other side of that boardroom, getting ready to take every freaking thing you worked for in your entire life. I've been involved in many of these meetings. (laughs) I know you haven't, Dan. Yeah, a-hole. I brought a $3 billion company to market and rumble after a massive failure at Parlor, when $3 trillion companies colluded to wipe us off the market. I promise you, you may love me or you may hate me, but I've been there. There is someone on another side of a table, either a lawyer or a business guy, every place you're going to go that is totally unsafe, that is looking to take every single thing you earned in your life, everything, everything. And they're not going to cry for you or your mama or your cousin, Tony, or your weed smoking Professor Samuel for one damn second. They are going to take everything. They will take your wallet when you leave the room if you ain't looking. And they will make sure you leave broke because it's a zero sum game, the business world. And if that sounds like a world you don't want to live in, then I'm really sorry no one's given you this speech before. Because that Tieran Steinbeck lady is full of diarrhea. She is, that whatever she said is crap. Jim, can we curse? Did you get the word back from the SEC? No? Still, it's still a no. we need the uncensored show today. These kids are being lied to. They are being BS'd. There is no safe space out there. Nowhere. Not in the business world. Nowhere. Not in the sports world. You had a guy yesterday, Jim and I were just talking about, it, a pitcher for the Mets, who wanted to go play for his, uh, for Puerto Rico in the, in the World Baseball Classic. The guy blew out his knee celebrating a win. You know what? The world ain't fair. And you know why? Even when he won, the mound wasn't safe. So he jumped and he blew out. I'm not kidding. It's a true story. And he blew out his knee because the freaking world ain't safe. It's not safe. There's danger everywhere. Even on a pitching mound after you just won a baseball game. To these wuss, woke, life loser a-holes. They're stop telling these kids that there's a safe space. That's... Lecture classroom where that judge was is supposed to be an unsafe space. You are supposed to be challenged. You're supposed to be smart. Iron sharpens iron. You're supposed to be in there dealing with ideas you may consider dangerous. You consider them dangerous? If they're so dangerous, then figure out a freaking way around them using logic and reason, you dipwads. This professor is ruining your lives, or this dean, whatever she is. Tieran Steinbeck is ruining your lives by lying to you. To anyone in this audience under the age of 80, because most people by that point have figured it out, you need to sit down with your elders, people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who got their asses kicked, who had a pitch hit them in the ribs when they were playing in a baseball game, and it was unfair. They broke their ribs and missed the season. You need to sit across the table from a guy who busted his ass his entire life and built a plumbing business and had a couple of legals come in and start their own and put the guy out of business. That's not safe. There's nothing safe about this world. But there's a glorious other side to that too. The world being unsafe gives you the opportunity. Gives you the opportunity to put an armor around yourself. And it gives you the opportunity to fail repeatedly and dust off. We got buried at Parlor. To live through that was the worst experience of my life. You know what I did? I came back. I came back and I aligned myself with Rumble. And we took that same battle plan for free speech. We didn't cry about it. We didn't whine about it. Ladies and gentlemen, they stole hundreds of millions of dollars from me. No, that's not a typo. I could have sat down and bitched and moaned and whined all day about, it. oh, it's over, it's over. It's supposed to be safe. It ain't safe. There's nothing safe. And I took my ass and I got it up off the mat and I stopped feeling bad for myself. And I went back and I started something bigger and better. I studied for a year to get into medical school, an entire year of my life, while, being, while a secret service agent, full-time and then some. Reading organic chemistry textbooks. Took the MCAT. Did pretty good. Not great, but good enough to get in. And you know what happened? Nothing happened. They told me, go pound sand, loser. You're not smart enough. And I wasn't. And I felt bad for myself for a good two weeks. Oh, I worked so hard. It's safe. It's a safe space. safe. But I should have got in. Why? Why? Then I got up one morning and said, shut them up and figure out something different. So I went and took the GMATs and I got into business school at Penn State and I graduated at the top of the class. and I learned a lot. You know what I got out of medical school? Nothing. Because it ain't safe. Because I never got in. Oh, you, you got smarter after you have, no, I don't even remember most of the stuff I told myself. No, I got nothing out of it, except a valuable life lesson in failure. The world ain't safe. You are cursing these kids. You're not helping them. You're cursing these kids. Go sit down, anyone I'm telling you under the age of 40, go sit down with people older than you and ask them about their life failures. Ask them about how they failed in life and how they overcame it. You'll learn more from people's failures than you'll learn from your own successes. Guaranteed. Folks, if we don't correct this stuff, I'm telling you, man, we're walking this country off a cliff. We are creating a generation of life losers. And I mean it, however harsh that is to hear. We are creating a generation of people guaranteed to lose at life. As you were telling them something categorically false that this place is safe, and there is nothing safe about it. I'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the special Sunday podcast we always put together for you. If you want to check out some of these interviews as they're happening, you can listen to the radio show. Just click Station Finder on my website, Bongino.com, to find a station near you. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on Monday. You just heard Dan Bongino.